Hey, Salt Lake, at the risk of being too personal, is your mattress sagging? If you are rolling into a taco every night, I am begging you to visit your local mattress warehouse and just try something a little firmer. Your spine is the center of your being, and I don't just want you to have good posture. I want you to Disney princess your way around this city, flush with optimism from a good night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com to find the location nearest you. That's mattresswarehouseutah.com. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. We gained two years in the fight to save the Great Salt Lake. One Twitter user boldly asks, do campaign signs vote? And last-minute gift ideas for Mother's Day. Lead producer Emily Means is here to help me make sense of it all. It's Friday, May 12th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Good morning, Emily Means. How are you? Oh, good morning, Ali Vallarta. I'm just peachy, thanks. I have mini breaking news for you today. <laughs> I think you're going to love this, because when I saw it, I nearly fell out of my chair laughing. So, all right. in brief... There is a type of horse called the Hanoverian. They're the dressage horses that you see at the Olympics every year. They're like these really fancy, expensive German, like high-stepping horses. Fancy horses. And this year at the spring Hanoverian auction, which takes place in Denmark, okay? Real local news here. Yeah. It's always (laughs) a big deal which horse sells for the most money, like any auction. And this year, the horse that sold for the most sold for 90000 U.S. dollars for a four-year-old horse. That's crazy, right? It sold to someone in Mexico. And guess what that horse is named? Mitt Romney. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like the answer is always Mitt Romney. Incredible guess. And with me, yes, almost always the answer. The horse is named Salt Lake City. Wow. I know. We need to buy that horse from Mexico. If it weren't for the taxes, we could swing it. But 90 grand is a lot, a lot to ask. Come home, horsey. I nearly fell out of my chair because this is like a oiled up, oiled down, high stepping show pony of a horse. Like if you look at photos of it, I mean, it looks like wealth. This is just your worlds colliding. That's why (laughs) this is so important. If that horse saw Salt Lake City, it would be like, no. (laughs) Take me back to Denmark. (laughs) I think I took a wrong turn. I took a wrong turn. These roads are too wide for me. I'm not safe. Allie, thanks for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. Let's talk about some local news. Yeah, let's get local. Speaking of expensive horse races, (laughs) let's give an update on the mayoral race. There are currently three candidates for mayor in Salt Lake City. Incumbent Mayor Aaron Mendenhall, challenger Rocky Anderson, who was previously mayor, from 2000 to 2008, and is running again. And then local activist Michael Valentine. And in particular, I feel like, I mean, the conversation around this race, which is sure to turn a corner like every four weeks between now and election day, especially since, again, reminder, we won't have a primary. It's all going to happen on one ballot this fall with ranked choice voting. Yard signs seem to be the real topic of conversation right now. Yard sign season, 
Yeah. Man about town, Bryant Heath. We've had him on the show before. Love he's, that guy. He's run every single street in Salt Lake, and I think he's working on West Valley this year. Or maybe he's just running around Sugar House Park this year. He's only running Sugar House Park this year. Oh, he's man. only doing the same lap for an entire year. That guy's nuts. Anyway, he's he's a he's great guy to follow on Twitter, and he did a fun analysis. He rode his bike around Sugar House-ish and noted whose campaign signs were where. Yeah. And on the major road he was on, which was 15th East, which is not like the biggest road in town. It's still a neighborhood road, but kind of a thoroughfare through the neighborhood. He says he saw way more Rocky signs than Aaron Mendenhall signs. But on like random tiny neighborhood streets, more Aaron signs. Sounds like a very scientific study, Allie. But yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, look, it is clear that when Ross C. Rocky Anderson got in this race, like a yard sign strategy was an immediate priority for his campaign because those things popped up quickly after he announced. And I think if you ask most Salt Lakers, they would actually say that they feel like they see Rocky signs everywhere and very few Aaron Mendenhall signs on pretty much any street. Yep. So in that way, Brian's sort of like non-scientific study was surprising to me because I just feel like I'm seeing Rocky signs everywhere. And it's so interesting because having worked in political organizing, there's a really, really common, really sort of popular expression among political organizers and like specifically field, field guys, which is yard signs don't vote. I was going to ask you. Yeah, that is like, that's a thing. Like yard signs don't vote. Like it doesn't necessarily mean anything. But in this race, that is the conversation that it feels like we're having because right now we're not seeing a ton of back and forth from these candidates. Um, the yard sign sort of showdown does feel like the most visceral way that we're all engaging with this election right now. Well, I want you to dig into that a little bit more. Like give us a little bit more insight. When you are working with a candidate, how important are yard signs to them? Well, I mean, the question then, the subtext of that question is, is any candidate egoless? And the answer is no. But I do think like, look, there have been studies done. Like in 2015, there was a study that looked at the actual value of yard signs, because this has been a debate forever. And it did find that yard signs can influence the outcome of an election by one to two percentage points. So not a lot, but also not nothing. In a close race. Right. In a close race, that's everything, right? In a not close race or like this far out from a race, you're like, well, that's not much. Like you're going to need a lot more, mm -hmm. especially in an election where you've got an incumbent running. What is the value of a yard sign? They raise name ID, which is sort of fancy political speak for name recognition, like just getting your name out there is half the battle when you're running for office, especially if you're not an incumbent, which it makes sense then that the candidate that isn't an incumbent is the one that's prioritizing getting their name back out there. Because we think of, you know, people who have lived in Utah for a long time or, or who are like maybe were around when Rocky Anderson was the mayor from, what was it, 2000 to 2008. They might be like, oh, yeah, that's Rocky. But we've seen, I mean, look at the massive growth we've seen in Salt Lake in the past 10 years per our census. And there are a lot of people in this city who have no idea who that is. Okay, there are also a lot of people in this city who have no idea who Aaron Mendenhall is, though. Great point. I am, you know, a proper Salt Laker at this point. Obviously, I know who Aaron Mendenhall is. But when I talk with my friends who I feel like are 
more engaged than the average person. They're like, oh, yeah, the mayor. Mm -hmm. Is that Jackie Biskupski? And I'm like, (laughs) no, no, that was last go around. So, yeah. What about billboards, Allie? Billboards are a big deal here in Salt Lake, mostly because uh, we hate them for blocking (laughs) our view of the the mountains. (laughs) You think we're going to see some billboards in this race? I mean, the big difference between a billboard and a yard sign is that a yard sign just has someone's name and a billboard generally has their face. Is that going to be valuable in this race? Yeah, because we cannot negate the aesthetics of politicking, which became a big part of politicking, of course, when Kennedy ran for office and he was handsome. Like the handsomeness around politicking became a thing with the introduction of the TV. And so like you, we have a young mayor running against a older male candidate. I think that frankly, she's going to want her face out there. And I think we are going to see billboards. I think a lot of Salt Lakers feel that Aaron kind of had this in the bag at the at the beginning, right? And as the summer sort of approaches, it does feel like Rocky's campaign is starting to make a dent. And is that the psychological implication of the number of yard signs we're seeing? Or is that that it feels like he's really running a campaign right now. Like he is fighting. Like he is in this fight. Well, and has been since like last October. Right. 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 He's been doing it for a while. And she's sort of busy marrying. Like her approach seems to be I'm steadfast being the mayor. Watch me be the mayor. And he's like, no, we're in a race and I am campaigning. And that is starting to hedge a little bit. Like, I think he's starting to sort of make a name for himself in that approach. Lots of interesting things to think about here. And it is kind of, it feels silly because the election is so far away, although (laughs) it will be, be upon us before we know it. Yeah. But I did see in response to, you know, this analysis by, by Bryant Heath, man about town, Aaron Mendenhall's campaign manager was putting out some polling data. You know, he said, you think campaign signs will work if you're a candidate who's running against an incumbent who is polling at a 62% approval rating. And, you know, I'm guessing that's like their own interior polling or whatever. But I guess we'll see how that approval rating plays out probably further along in this race. What's for sure is that what Rocky's campaign is going to need in order to pull this off is to overperform in places like her neighborhood, <laughs> like the fifth district, right? Like, and that's a tough sell. And so we are seeing already this race is centering itself on the east side of the city. And I think that is evident in what I would call sort of the first big campaign opinion piece that we've seen, which is from him in the Salt Lake Tribune this week about ADU's accessory dwelling units and how new laws making them more populous in small neighborhoods as a form of affordable housing is something that he's not necessarily into because he's using this language that we hear a lot, which is neighborhood character, that they could disrupt the character of a neighborhood. When we talk about affordable housing disrupting the character of a neighborhood, that is so often a dog whistle for east siders. Like that is an that is a real east side topic. And so 
I think he's he's already trying to get in the weeds on some of these issues that are really important across the East Bench in particular because that's where he needs to overperform and that's where the rubber's going to kind of meet the road here. In his opinion piece, Ali, he did say that, you know, it's it's maybe an oversimplification if we're calling this an east side, west side issue. So I think he's acknowledging that it can be a dog whistle in that regard. Yeah. But once I read this piece, I was like, oh, that's why I'm seeing signs for Rocky Anderson in the avenues, mm-hmm. right? Like I figured I would see them in Ballpark, which is where he had his big campaign announcement. Um, you know, he's really kind of put a stake in the in the ground around the issue of homelessness and public safety and all of that. And when I think of those issues, I'm not really thinking of the avenues and the east bench of Salt Lake. And so Seeing him make this mention of the ADUs, I was like, that's it. That's why the yard signs are on I Street right now. That might be an oversimplification, and we'll probably get a call from former Mayor Rocky Anderson about that. Well, if you read his piece or if you're listening to this conversation and you're like, what the heck is an ADU, an accessory dwelling unit, and why is this so controversial – we're not we don't have time to get into that today, but there is an episode of this show for you. We will link it in the show notes. We talked to Taylor Anderson right before the city council took their vote on this issue. And he did a beautiful job laying out sort of both sides of this argument and and why there is concern about them and and why they can be useful in increasing our housing supply. And so that is available to you, and I encourage you to listen because it was a really great episode. And I certainly learned a lot. Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple, but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's hot cross buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. We have news on our namesake, the Great Salt Lake, which means before anything, it's time to play our Great Salt Lake theme song. Hit it! I should think you're great. Great Salt Lake. We've got 
great, great Salt Lake news, Allie. Mm-hmm. The lake rose four feet due to our huge wet winter. <laughs> And also due to water districts sending more water to the lake to prevent flooding, which again comes from our really great winter that we just had. And, and scientists think the lake will gain another two to two and a half feet once all the snow melts. Rock and roll, baby. Wait, so that could put us at like six and a half feet. We know that we need to raise the lake 10 feet to basically avoid imminent destruction to our ecosystem and our health in this valley. Of course, if you're not caught up on the crisis at the lake, the lake is rapidly drying up, bad for a lot of reasons, but the one that sort of intersects with human survival most directly is that the bed of the lake is full of arsenic because it is a terminal lake, which means that water goes to the lake and then it goes nowhere else. So what ends up in the lake stays in the lake, which means the lake bed is toxic. And as it gets lower and lower and lower, it exposes dust, which then swirls up into the sky and into our lungs. And that is the fifth grade science project version of this crisis. So getting water in the lake has been our goal. It is literally like... It, it feels like the number one issue in the city that you could like walk up to anyone and be like, so crisis at the lake. And they'd be like, I know, right? <laughs> and they'd be like, yeah, I saw that story in the New York Times. <laughs> oh, you hurt my heart. You hurt my heart. <laughs> because I saw that story at greatsaltlakenews.org, you mean. That's what I mean. So many great local outlets doing this reporting. Of course, this story on the lake rising from Carter Williams at KSL. So we need 10 feet. You're saying we could be at six and a half by fall? By fall, we could be at six and a half feet out of the 10 that we need to prevent imminent environmental and imminent. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yep. The crisis. Yeah. <laughs> um, the end times. But let's also not forget that every fall scientists tell us that that's the time of year that we should anticipate a small dip in the lake. So fall is like the normal time of year when the lake recedes a little bit, just because we usually have dry summers. I'm not laying my savings on what the height of the lake will be in September, but it is good to see that we have gained four feet. That is what we want to see. And am I correct in my, in this article also said that that basically means that in the long term, we gain two years in the fight to save the lake? Yes. Listen, let's take those two years and do something with them, okay? And I think the state is thinking about that. Like, this is some good momentum Mm -hmm. for state leaders to really make some progress on this issue. Right now, we see the House Speaker, Brad Wilson, Senate President Stuart Adams, and Governor Spencer Cox, who are trying to pick a Great Salt Lake czar. They're picking someone to coordinate the state's efforts around saving the lake. What's interesting to me, though, Allie, is that this person can override state agencies. I thought that was very interesting. No one should have all that power, or should they? Is the state legislature a state agency? Because if so, I'm suddenly into it. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Good question. But this is the part that really sent me flying out of my chair, (laughs) is that... The first job for the Great Salt Lake Czar when they are appointed, which honestly, like, we could start getting names by the time this episode airs. It should be, like, next week that we start seeing some movement on this. Their first job is to write a strategic plan for the lake, which 
in the same breath reading that we have been given a two more year grace period to figure out the crisis that the lake by mother nature herself to the fact that we don't have a strategic plan yet really was like kind of dark. Like I was like, I want to celebrate this like extra two years, but actually it's quite embarrassing. It's like actually extremely dark. Maybe they meant uh, a strategic plan in hand. Maybe there's a digital copy floating around (laughs) and we just need the person to go to FedEx and print that thing out. Print a couple copies. Laminate it, baby. Listen, if the Great Salt Lake Czar is appointed and they run down to FedEx and print copies of the strategic plan, then we will for sure be in an episode of the HBO series Veep. And I will be looking (laughs) for Selena Meyer on the streets of Salt Lake City. But one last one last thing on this I do want to say that's also good news because we're we're just all out here digging for diamonds in a dumpster and looking for good news on this issue every single day. Salt Lake County's out of the drought. We are technically no longer in a drought in Salt Lake City or in Salt Lake well in Salt Lake City and Salt Lake County. Congratulations. We did it, Joe. We did it, Joe. Salt Lake County is out of the drought, but not out of the woods, as Taylor Swift would say. We are now classified as abnormally dry. I'll take it. It's like they can't quite, we're not quite at none, okay? But we're not technically in a drought. To be fair, we're all abnormally dry in this state. You need that humidifier (laughs) running. You need the Aveeno on the elbows. (laughs) Allie, this is huge, though, because I think as long as I have lived in Utah, we have been in a drought. Yeah. So 20, 20 some odd years. Yeah, that's right. It's pretty big. Well, welcome to this new chapter of your life. Let's celebrate by sliding down a slip and slide or something. Like, let's run some sprinklers, y'all. Everybody go turn on your hose recklessly. <laughs> Take a 30-minute shower. Okay, let's round out this week with a segment that we're calling Pick of the Week. Pew, pew, pew. Hey, Salt Lake Newsletter editor Teddy Noria is joining us for our Pick of the Week segment to share her Pick of the Week. You and I, Emily, are going to share ours. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Hi, Tarina. Hello, y'all. Welcome, welcome. Great news about Great Salt Lake. Um, I'm here to drop a bomb on you. Big if true. (laughs) You're here to drop a bomb on us? What is it? Yeah, I have some bad news. Mother's Day is in two days. Um, (laughs) And I want everyone to know that they should get a gift for their mother. Did you, have you guys gotten gifts? Was I supposed to? Well, were you sent by my mother? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Emily means I'm telling you to call your mother. Oh, shoot. I rarely do a gift. My mom is in Florida with, let's be honest, most mothers. (laughs) (laughs) Living their best life. Moms love to be in Florida. I... I usually just call. That's really nice. So, yeah, I'm I'm the kind of person who gets kind of nervous about gift giving. I, like, think too much about it. And so I found, though, like, a secret formula that I try to stick to in order to, like, be better at gift giving. Please, pray tell. So it's kind of cheesy, but love languages... Do you believe in them? Mm. Do you have a love language, would you say? Yes, constant validation. (laughs) Exactly. What I'm hearing is words of affirmation is Emily's love language. (laughs) Oh, yes, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Mine is acts of service. Yes. I'm like a quality time person. So I really try to consider what the person's love language is. And then I follow that with like, what kind of hobbies do they like? Um, and so that I feel like if you have those two, you can really find something good that I think that they'll enjoy. That is lovely. That's really nice, Tarina. So what are your picks? 
So let's say that your mom is like into hardcore Metallica. She loves just, she's a metalhead. So I would say if she, if her love language is more of like gift giving, you can go down to like a local record store like Diabolical or Randy's Records and get her a record. Or you can, if she likes more of like quality time experiences, then you can take her to a concert. She would like spending time with you. In general, I think moms like spending time with you. Yeah. I think so. It really is like the number one thing they ask for, and it seems like it's the hardest for us to deliver on as children. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is really hard. But I I also am like such a big fan of, especially like last minute gifts. I um, am such a fangirl of Caputo's. I've talked about them a lot in the newsletter. And so I would say like, if your mom is like a foodie, get a class. Like their classes are really great. They have experts. There's cheese classes, there's wine classes, chocolate classes. So if your mom loves food, she would love these classes. I love that, Therina. And I love the idea of buying a class that's like maybe a little bit in the future because then you have something to look forward to as well. You're like, okay, mom, you and me on the calendar for for June. Yeah, we're going exactly. out. It's a date. So that's really nice. And I also think about um, supporting like local shops as much as you can because I think it like makes it a little bit more special than like maybe running to the grocery store and getting like a grocery store bouquet. I think it's nice to like find something that you can't just get up at Target or the grocery store. And so, um, yeah, go to a bookstore even. Like um, there's King's English Bookshop or Under the Umbrella Bookstore that I really love. And then pick out something that you that you maybe have loved and, and maybe made you think about your mom. I think that's really nice. And then write a little note. Oh, I love that. That's so thoughtful. One time I bought my dad and me the same book. Yeah. And we read it together and then... It wasn't a great book, so we only talked about it once. But the intention was there. The intention was there. We had a little book club moment. That's almost kind of nice. If you if you both hate it, you can just both trash on it. <laughs> okay, that is a great segue to my pick of the week, which is yeah. a book that I've been meaning to pick up from the King's English for like months and months and months, and I finally did, which is local poet Rio Cortez's book of poetry called Golden Axe. Have either of you read this? No, I'm a terrible reader. I haven't yet, but I've heard of it. I want to. I am really enjoying it. So it is very witty. It's like very observant. What I love about this book is that it's also, like me, absolutely just like drowning in pop culture references, which makes it so fun to read because it just feels so modern. And sometimes when you read poems, you're like, what century am I in right now? Just poetry in general feels like sort of antiquated to me. But there's like references to Nancy Myers and like Frazier and Rio's family were black Mormon pioneers. And so there's like all these incredible references to the valley and like not just like, oh, here's a poem about the Great Salt Lake, but like here's Antelope Island being used like kind of inside of a poem as a metaphor, you know, like really kind of like the deep cuts that as a local reading is just so, so fun to tease out. So I don't know, maybe your mom would like Golden Axe by Rio Cortez, which is like, I'm having such a fun time reading and I recommend to everyone. That sounds lovely. Um, May I share my pick of the week? Yes, please. We're waiting. (laughs) It's going outside. I'm picking going outside. So I just came back from Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. Okay. Spent a very quick little weekend there. And 
I am a city girl, a proper city girl. My favorite thing to do is what I would call urban hiking, which is just walking around the block. (laughs) But (laughs) this place is awe-inspiring. And I was on this hike and I was like, you know what? I really wish I could take my mom on this hike. I think she would love this. And so I did call my mom this week and I was like, I think you would really like this. And she was like, oh, I've never been hiking before. Now I need to go outside with my mom. So maybe that that's what I'll get her for Mother's Day. We've come full circle, y'all. That's so sweet. Emily, I'm just picturing you like out on like uh, the the cliff at Escalani, like that overlook where the road dead ends, like on the phone with your mom being like, nature's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's no cell service out there, but if there had been, that would have been me. I love those. The whole time I was just like, look at that rock. How did that rock come to be? <laughs> So turns out the the wonders of nature, they're out there. I also wanted to say, like, as somebody who grew up in, like, a single parent home, I know that, like, Mother's Day and Father's Day can be, like, kind of tricky and, and sometimes hard and can bring up, like, mixed emotions. So I would say, like you know, any of these things that we outlined, like treat yourself to it, like treat yourself to a poetry book or or to a hike out in nature and just like take care of yourself too or the mother figure in your life. That is great advice heading into a weekend that is stacked with like crowded events, a holiday that can bring up a lot of feelings, the weather changing, like a weird week in national politics. Like this feels like a good weekend to just like kind of look after yourself. Take stock of what you need throughout the day and don't get behind on yourself. Yeah, go to the spa. Okay, Therina, so, so nice to have you join us on the Friday Roundup. We always love when you poke in and surprise us. I love being here. Of course, everyone should subscribe to the Hey Salt Lake newsletter. They can do that at saltlake.citycast.fm. Listeners, we also always, always, always have a link in our show notes for you. Emily Means, Therina Ria, I will see you on Monday. Have a fabulous weekend. Bye. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producers this week were Ivana Martinez, A.K. Almumen, and Natalie Rivera. Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria, and our host is me, Ali Bayarta. Our great Salt Lake theme song is by Daniel Foster Smith, and our regular theme music is by the local band Mitochondria. We will be back Monday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend. Bye.